0: So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you want to join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right. Hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. Is Mr. Beast still actually creative or is he just so rich that it doesn't matter anymore? That's
1: the first question that we answer today on the show. We're also going to get into Ethan Klein's dispute with BBTV. We're going to answer the question, should you buy views or not? And we're going to talk about what skills you should build if you want to work for a creator.
0: Welcome to Creator Support, the show where we answer your questions about the business of being a creator. If you make it to the deep end, let us know. All right, so we're going to start the episode with the most engaged post in the subreddit. Hot topic. Hot topic. A lot of conversation. Mm -hmm. The question comes from you slash things elsewhere. And the question is, is Mr. Beast still actually creative or just so rich and famous that it doesn't matter anymore? Interesting question. So this surrounds Jimmy's most recent video, which was $1 versus $500,000 plane ticket. And a lot of the conversation is exploring like, his past, his history with being innovative and and creative on the platform. And if this concept is basically an iteration of stuff that has already existed on YouTube, whether it's Casey Neistat's airplane review, or even, you know, the, the vast amount of content on YouTube, that's $1 versus X dollar. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's an interesting topic to discuss. I mean, obviously based on how many people are chatting about it in the subreddit, Um, but I was curious for us to, to pick this up. The first thing I'll say is that creatively, I think it is
1: okay to look at a concept and say, how could I do this better? Mm -hmm. So the reviewing a really expensive airline ticket, airline seat, obviously that's been done over and over and over again. Yeah. With his most recent video, he did it to a degree that no one has ever done before. And yes, money did play a factor.
0: You do need money to be able to review a... What is it, a $500,000? it's completely insane. The last one is $500,000 rent an airplane. Yeah. I went into the video looking at the thumbnail and title and being like, I don't really want to watch this. I feel like I've seen stuff like this. Clicked on it and somehow made it all the way to the end. And I was like, God, Jimmy, you got me. You know, Mm -hmm. this was actually really, really fun to watch. And I had never seen anything like it. And I think... Um, that's one thing that's very important when you think about this. Something that we've talked about before is you can be first to an idea, and that's interesting, but you can also be better. Mm-hmm. And this is a situation where this concept has been done before, but this was a better version of it because he went further right, mm-hmm. than anyone has gone before. I do think that there's a there's a bit of a zoom out here on like how do we define creativity on YouTube. Because I think when we look back at some of the concepts that, that Jimmy was doing, back to what I just said about like you can be first, you can be better, he was first to a lot of concepts, mm-hmm. right? And that I think is where people feel like that's creativity when also, you're first. concepts that no one would have thought
1: the algorithm would prefer or sure. that would result in uh, money, yeah. right? Like from the platform or mm-hmm. from brand deals or anything like that. Like saying Logan Paul... Sure, hundred thousand times yeah. or whatever it was, that's not a concept. It wasn't back then. Something
0: you would think, sure, yeah, yeah,
1: that'll get viewership.
0: Or what was that one? It's like a big red button in the middle of the thumbnail. It says, "Press this red button, get hundred thousand dollars." Yeah. Or there's one that's like it keeps coming up on my uh, my home feed, which is the dollar amount updates constantly. Where it's like, uh, however many views this video has, I'll pay my friend a dollar. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like continuously updating. Like those are all those were all new and innovative ideas that we had never seen before. And I think that's where people feel like oh that was that was creativity like it was it was stuff that we had never seen. It was first. Um and I think the reality is as as a creator progresses in their career and more and more money comes into the picture, more and more staff comes into the picture their creativity goes from, you know, just innovating with the constraints that they have and, and into the ideas to actually pouring the creativity in other parts of the business. And I think that's something that you, you're going to start to see with more creators and specifically with Jimmy. Knowing Jimmy and, and, and some of the stuff he's doing, like what I know is that he's putting a lot of his creativity into his businesses now. Feastables, Beast Burger, but I think specifically Feastables. Mm-hmm. There's some firsts there that we're seeing. You know, the style of marketing they're doing, the style of thinking about the concept of this is actually a first-of-its-kind chocolate brand where it has access to hundreds of millions of people on a regular basis, and then what? how can you play with that? Mm-hmm. Like, you see in the airplane video, almost, like, more, more than two of the scenes, they're eating Feastables, and Feastables is integrated into it. So you can kind of see that, like, he's shifting some of his creativity into... The products and a new canvas. But in the
1: confines of of the videos, yeah. Do you think money makes creativity less relatable? And then it is no longer seen necessarily as creativity. Yeah, maybe. Like it's easy to relate to the DIY nature of like vlogging. Sure. Right. And see something creative and think, oh, I could do that. Or see him you know, again, like saying someone's name a 100,000 times in his bedroom that doesn't look that nice and go, wow, like, I really want to root for this person's creativity, for this Mm -hmm. person's quest. Yeah. And then once they have money, you start to question, is it creativity or is it a desire for more money, more viewership? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying one is is the reality, Yeah. but that the perception is easier to come across as a viewer. This idea that like, he was perhaps underrated and seen as incredibly creative. Yeah. And then once he hits a degree of, of subscribers and success, he is now rated. Right. You know, and it's harder to appreciate creativity. What he did with squid game reenacting, it was unbelievable. It was truly like an art piece the way that he did that to that degree. But when it takes a lot of money, do people just go, Oh, it's kind of like a movie.
0: Yeah. You know, like you're just using people to do that. I do think as a, consumer I do really appreciate constraints and I like when I watch someone do something that feels uh, like they had to put it together just out of their, their like brain power mm-hmm. you know like they didn't have a lot of support to put it together they had a, a small amount of things that I have access to as well but they were able to create something that I couldn't create and that the incentive maybe wasn't
1: necessarily money it was yeah. making that yeah, idea making happen the thing,
0: yeah yeah, I th- I totally see that. And I think what's interesting is two things are happening in concert. One is like a lot of things that Jimmy is doing are being seen now as uh, are, are being rated, right? Mm-hmm. Like he gave away a car recently um, in a in a TikTok where he tipped a waitress uh, with a car. The car was wrapped mm-hmm. with the Feastables and people were upset. And he came out and said, he was like, yeah, she didn't want it to be wrapped. So we we took it off, mm-hmm. you know, like, but part of the video it was wrapped in the Feastables thing. And then, yeah. We took it off. What I was saying, two things are happening in concert. One is like, people are really upset. And the second is that uh, his videos are performing and reaching a, a size and scope of people and audience that he's never really hit before. I remember a couple of years ago chatting with him and I thought it was completely insane that he was like, his goal was 30 million views on each video. And I was like, that's completely insane. And he would track how many days it would take to get to 30 million views. I looked at his channel recently and I was like, I don't think there's a video really under a hundred million views recently. And in a, in a like three week period, Yeah, that's completely insane. The size and scale. So like both things are happening in concert where people are kind of like, you know, there's, there's some voices I think of people who maybe watched him early on, who feel a sense of ownership of like that underdog story, that underrated guy who kind of was coming up. And then also him reaching this like mainstream critical mass of so many people watching. And I think that plays into it as well of not feeling like he's this underground guy who comes from YouTube anymore. He's just so widely talked about in the world that it's not like the cool band that you see, you know, in a small theater. It's now like the band that plays on the radio. He also has been so copied and
1: emulated Mm. to an extent where the majority of the platform on any given day can kind of look like one of his videos. Yeah. And I think that also plays to his disadvantage Yeah. at this point now that he <laughs> is seen as less creative or less unique simply because of how many people are trying yeah. to emulate what he's done.
0: Yeah. So the, the question of like, is Mr. B still actually creative? Um, I would argue that he is. Jimmy is definitely a creative person. And he's putting his creativity in different places. And and I also think all of that changes when your size and scope gets this big, when you have hundreds of employees. And we're watching it in real time. We're mm-hmm. watching it change in real time. This happens to a lot of entrepreneurs and and creators. And I think probably he's also maturing and growing up and wanting to put his creativity in different places. Like, mm-hmm. I think he's connecting more to the entrepreneurial side of all of this, you know, rather than the kid in his bedroom figuring out how to get, you know, how to make it on YouTube he's now like a major player in the world of business trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how to innovate in that space.
1: Yeah. I would say, I think he's still creative. I agree with you. He's perhaps shifted where he's focusing his time for me. I, I still think of him as that creator who made a video and set it to publish five years from right. the day, yeah. like Hi Me in five years. Yeah, that to me is so incredibly unique and mm-hmm. creative. And uh, he's one of these people that will always continue to kind of play with the platform. Yeah, in my mind, right. And uh, I, I still think of him like that. How many more of those do you think we have?
0: The like hi, I don't me. know. You think there's? I'm th- sure he's made made got to be more, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there's more coming. Like, there's probably one that he made at that era of like Hi Me in 30 years. He plans to do this forever, so yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. We'll see It's a really, that's a really cool idea. That would be really fun to do. Like to to have a video just come out. You think that would be fun to do? What? Like ourselves? Yeah. That would freak me out. What? Hi me in 10 years? Yeah. I think it would have been cool 10 years ago. Like imagine when we started on YouTube, Mm. had we made one of those time capsules and we were sitting here in this office, like watching that. Yeah. That would have been unbelievable. I guess I feel like we already made those. Because there's videos on the internet Because of there ours. are so
1: many videos of us from 10
0: years ago. B- but I think what's hard to latch onto as creators and makers and people who commit to this career for such a long time is like, what would have been so crazy to me as a 21-year-old uploading to YouTube? Like, and the answer is this, right? The fact that we're actually sitting here doing this as a career with a team and a studio, this would have been really crazy. And I think that there's a level of like, appreciation that sometimes gets lost in the day-to-day stress of, of being a creator or the business of it, where you're like, wait a second, that was, that was the whole thing, you know, when I was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, what's beautiful about watching those videos from Jimmy is like the appreciation of, Oh my God, like, look how far this is. Look, look at this. <laughs> like, this is yeah. what I, I couldn't even fathom this, mm-hmm. you know, and now it's here. So I think that would be cool. Everyone should do that. There should be like a time capsule button on YouTube. You know, put this in a time capsule. But then it wouldn't be unique anymore. Send it to me as a VHS tape with a VHS player because I won't have one of those. That's cool. You know, yeah. or send it to me in like a tangible form in 25 years.
1: I had an idea for a doc. Okay. You collect a bunch of VHS tapes okay. from garage sales and from the internet and just see what's on them and start following the stories.
0: You think people are selling their personal family I VHS think just, tapes? Gone? I think you can find them all or over the place. Or you think you want to watch old movies? Look, I just came up with this idea. <laughs> I think it's interesting. Is Colin Rosenblum still creative or has he lost his (laughs) mind? (laughs) That's the next question. I think still creative. (laughs) Okay. So just wanted to bring up some of the discussions last week. We talked a lot at length about AI and there were some comments on that episode that, that I wanted to bring up one in particular from learn English with Bob, the Canadian. That sounds like a great channel. (laughs) Um, If you think about video games as a similar situation, many people prefer to play a video game against people rather than against AI. It's true that some people do enjoy playing against AI, but esports will probably always be people versus people because it's just more interesting. I think YouTube will be the same. Maybe the script will be written by AI, but the actual person in the video and their ability to deliver the lines is what you'll connect with. The personal touch will remain core to a successful channel in my opinion. I thought that was a really good point to bring up. Do you remember playing video games against the computer when you were younger?
1: It's like kind of fun, but kind of strange, but kind of strange. It's not that fun. You don't feel any sort of way when you beat the computer.
0: Yeah. And I think that that is such an interesting comparison to the rest of the world of AI of like, yeah, it'll be interesting, but some people might like it, but a lot of people will want that, that Mm. engagement with another human.
1: Yeah, I agree. I was watching a video of Donald Glover break down some of his most iconic like TV shows and music videos from GQ. And he said something really interesting. He said that in his This Is America music video, he tried to make it seem like one shot. Right. Because he said he wanted people to feel like they were there in the moment for the entirety of that moment. Mm. And he said, the internet robs you of moments. Interesting. And I think because things are probably so jump cut, so edited, so Mm. manicured. Mm. And I think that will be something that we'll see too is like creators who are filming themselves without jump cuts, long forms. So you can feel like you were truly there with a human, mm. especially with the rise of AI mm-hmm. when things can be so manicured and robotic. Yeah. It's like, prove to me that I was really there. Give me dead air. Yeah. If that's what actually happened.
0: You know, what's interesting is there's areas where you want that. But uh, last night I was telling you that I was playing around with chat GPT because I'm trying to plan a vacation for me and Katie. And I just described us to ChatGPT and said, give me five destinations. And it gave me five destinations that were great. And Mm -hmm. then I asked it to go deeper. I was like, okay, cool. What can I do in these places? Okay, cool. What hotels can I stay at? And then I looked up the hotels and I was like, these are totally hotels I would want to stay at. And then how do I get to the hotel? And it gave me transportation of like, how do you get there? And then what are the flights? And that I didn't really want the dead air of talking to like a travel agent or the other incentives of talking to a travel agent or someone else, or even searching it on Google with the sponsored ads. Like I, it, it I don't know if it's pure, but it felt pure. It was mm-hmm. like, this is a very rapid conversation I'm having that I think is void of other incentives outside of just telling me the answer. And that was really nice. Mm. You know, like that was a very nice uh, exchange between me and Mr. GPT. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> I've been is, calling it Mister yeah. GPT to just you're deep. And, you're deep in AI. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I get deep in this stuff. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm so fascinated by it. I do think it's interesting to
1: see where humans will want to trust AI and where where they will want to trust humans. Yeah, and I do think <laughs> advice may actually end up with AI yeah. and entertainment mm. on the side of humans.
0: Yeah. Whoa, that's interesting. Yeah, I think that's probably right. right. Yeah, it feels it feels currently, for some reason, I trust AI more. Because when you're asking chat GPT, it's not just giving you one option. Mm-hmm. It's
1: giving you 10, and you oh. still get to choose. So your oh. perception is that chat GPT is giving you the right answer.
0: Well, I think another thing is- Because it's giving you
1: nine of the wrong answer.
0: Yeah, I think one thing that's really great is that AI gives me sometimes things that I know are the wrong answer, which then I can rule things out, right? Like process of elimination is a really great Mm -hmm. process as human beings. So you want a ton of options that you're like, definitely not that, but that just actually helped me get closer. And that's been helping us with YouTube titles quite a bit. Like you said last week, I don't know that there's gonna be a YouTube title that you see from us that hasn't run through AI. Mm Mm-hmm. That's pretty crazy. But it gives us stuff that we know we definitely don't like and then options that we do like. So it's it's a fascinating thing, man. But I loved that video game thing. I thought that was really cool. Did you see what was happening between Ethan Klein and BBTV? I actually have not. I heard a little bit about yeah. it. So let me explain it to you because I, I found it to be a pretty interesting situation. And also a situation where I don't know that I've ever been on Ethan Klein's side. I just don't typically watch any of his stuff or or engage with him. But in this scenario, I I can understand it. So it's between him and BBTV. BBTV BBTV is... They've sent us a million emails. They send every creator a million emails. I'm sure if you're a creator, you've gotten an email from BBTV. Um, They are an MCN, which is a multi-channel network. This is one of the first ways that business was conducted in the creator economy was through multi-channel networks. And that was essentially, or still is to this day... This process of saying, "Hey, you have a YouTube channel, and you're making content. Now, I can. I would like to sign your YouTube channel and help you optimize your content, which was a very nebulous thing that that mm-hmm. all MCNs used to say. They would help you make sure it was getting discovered through optimizing the title or the tags or the descriptions, and giving you access to a music library, different you know things to help you. Um, and then there would be some level of revenue share between you and I. So." I would collect all of your Google AdSense and then pay you a large percentage of it, but I would keep some of it as the MCN. And th- that grew into MCN's also uh, brokering brand deals, you know, eventually mm-hmm. helping with collaborations. For reference to it, we should acknowledge that the Lacrosse network yeah. was a multi channel network. Yeah, that's right. There yeah, were, yeah, you know, yeah. Our
1: first channel was a multi channel network. Totally. There were 60 plus yeah. channels all about Lacrosse yep. that we represented and helped.
0: Mm-hmm there was a varying level of deals, right? And with the bigger channels, how the deal worked was always typically 100-0, which meant if you're a really large channel that I want in my network, I'll actually give you 100% of the AdSense. I'll still collect it, but you're going to take 100%. And then I have the right to sell brand deals or any specialty type of deals, and then we'll take a percentage of that. So it's building a relationship Mm -hmm. with the creator. It's like a different type of management company. Yeah. So normally, I think, let's just say Google... Yeah. does a lot of the
1: ad sales for the ads that show up before YouTube videos. Yeah. But there are scenarios where other sales teams yes. can sell in hopes of selling at a premium yes. to make more money than maybe Google would have sold. Yes. And that's what's happening with MCN.
0: Totally, because they can batch. Again, we were part of a sports MCN, so you can batch sports channels together and then sell that at a higher CPM because it's specific sports channels. Yep. And that's not sold by Google. That's sold by the MCN. So now Ethan Klein signs with BBTV which kind of surprised me, um, but it was a very unique situation. He had a Israeli bank account and couldn't set up an AdSense account, so needed a partner to basically receive the AdSense money and send it to him. Okay. So he signed with BBTV for that purpose. It was a hundred zero split. Now, what ended up happening over the past couple of years is they rolled out YouTube channel memberships for the H3 podcast. And with YouTube channel memberships, um, they started making a lot of money. And... From their understanding, the contract said that any revenue that was Google revenue was a hundred zero split, which said in the contract that it's between AdSense and and uh, could be memberships too, okay, um, or subscriptions, as it says. And I think that term subscriptions is, you know, as BBTV uh, ends up saying, is kind of up for debate. But basically, Ethan went and audited his membership revenue against how much BBTV had paid them and recognized BBTV has been keeping 30% of the membership revenue for the past couple of years to the tune of $620,000. Wow. And so he sent an email saying, hey, this, maybe this was a mistake because we have a 100-0 deal. And BBTV came back and said, well, memberships is not a part of that deal. So that falls into our revenue share. Now, obviously, no communication over the past couple of years. Like, N- no, you know, amendment, no, you know, clarification of like, hey, you guys just launched memberships. Here's how that's going to work. Yep. So now he's, you know, going all out. And what's happened is other creators are now, it's prompted other creators to look at their membership revenue. Mm. And all of these creators are uh, noticing that BBTV has been taking their membership revenue, although they didn't know that. And they assumed that they wasn't that. So in that case, is that... off the top from YouTube and and then 30% 30 from BBTV. Yeah.
1: The MCN. Yeah. So that's really substantial. It's a lot of revenue. So the creator
0: only makes 40% of their channel membership revenue. Yeah. That's pretty brutal. I think it's kind of illuminating that MCNs are still around because it's kind of you know an old model in our world. But as I watched it, I was like, okay, this is a this is between the business and you know, Ethan and and the rest of the creators. Like I can't really speak to what exactly the con. I don't have the contract in front of me. Mm -hmm. I don't know what was discussed, but I do think that we're at a point that I want to caution all creators that whatever agreements you get into right now, our industry is moving at a really fast pace. You signed, you know, he signed that agreement in 2017. It's 2023. Things have changed. And if you're not clarifying, amending, or like looking at what's going on and having a really good lawyer, make sure that as you're updating your business, things are still, you know, ironclad and, and tight. That's something that I think is so important right now. The internet's moving at a rapid pace. Things are changing. We can make an agreement today that can feel completely different in one year from now mm-hmm. because YouTube has changed, right? Like it, it can completely, um, you know, disrupt your, what you're doing if you don't, pay attention to these things. I would also caution
1: that even if it's just a brand deal agreement, there can be a lot more in that agreement than just you're going to integrate the brand into the video. There can be like name, image, and likeness rights in perpetuity. They can use clips of it that could show up on any platform at any time. They could run it on TV. There's a lot of different things in there that you need to be aware of because it's most likely not just, you know, integrating the talking points into that singular video.
0: I think it's, I think it's incredibly, uh, I think what, what, why I wanted to amplify this was to raise awareness for like looking at your partnerships as a creator and being really, really tight about the types of agreements you enter into and recognizing that the industry is changing really fast and that you might need to, sign shorter term agreements right now. Mm -hmm. You might have to say, hey, uh, it's not going to be a three year agreement, you know, or a a agreement that auto renews. We're going to look at it after a year. Yeah. And clearly in this scenario, it's like accountant needs to be really dialed because Ethan shouldn't have had to audit that himself. And lawyer needs to be really dialed. Yeah. Right. So those two things like they need to be really, really tight right now um, as the industry is moving at such a rapid pace. But it's an interesting scenario. I'm, I'm curious to see how it nets out. Another thing that happened was BBTV just delayed the payments. So it looks like something's going on with them. Like they are not paying any creators right now. Wow. So I would be really cautious if you're in that, you know, BBTV world or or with with any other MCN. Like just take a hard look at at, at what you're doing um, and what that agreement is like. Interesting. Is he suing them? You'd have to assume. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he says. Okay. Yeah. It'll probably happen. All right. <laughs> you know, and we'll probably continue to follow that story, but. Yeah, I think what's what's positive about it is that it's it's illuminating something here. Um did you see that lo-fi girl's missing? No, I did not. <laughs> I had no idea.
1: It's actually it, really real? smart.
0: Yeah. So on the Lo-Fi Girl channel, there's like a big question mark on the video. And uh Where did she go? Lo-fi Girl's just missing. She's out. Yeah, she's done. Look.
1: I mean, in her defense, she has been there so, for a really long time. Oh wait, lo girl's back. Never okay, mind. Okay, never mind. She's back.
0: My bad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah okay i was about to r- Whatever, really man. empathize with yeah, her lack of work life empathize. balance all right so. let's get to another question yeah moving, yeah moving on okay this question comes from lead belly luffy if someone was applying to work for you guys in the future what skills would you advise them to build i think there's plenty of people that would love to work for creators but don't know where to start hmm. i would
1: say number one have your own opinion and have the confidence to voice it Mm. I think that's an important one. Yeah, right. And understanding that it could be wrong, but sure. I think it's just important for
0: a creative office to be able to throw things out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I think developing your own taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, developing your own taste is really, really important. And and like a eclectic taste, mm-hmm. like something that is not just YouTube, like bringing taste from other things in movies, books, um. And I think having like different idea sources is really important. We, we did an interview recently here um, with a creator named Miles Fisher, and he talked about reading the New York Times on a regular basis and, and doing that so that he could learn about other industries and other stories and even reading a different style of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting to say, like, can you develop taste from outside of your world to uh, have different inputs? Um, So I think that's, that's interesting. It's like developing taste. Taste is like so important to, in a creator office.
1: I would say next to that, a lot of creators would probably voice that, you know, a willingness to work and a willingness to learn Mm -hmm. over showing up with technical ability. Sure. Right. Of course, Mm -hmm. technical ability is important, but
0: yeah, things are moving so fast that you just kind of have to have like, like
1: there's, you didn't hire me 12 years ago for my technical ability.
0: Yeah. I think it was, I would say back then it was taste and willingness, like excitement to just, to try, to try and figure things out. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that's still to this day, how I think about hiring, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, is, is someone going to want to sit with us and get excited about figuring something out that we're trying to figure out that's, Mm -hmm. and then just get to a computer and figure it out. And the reality is my technical ability has not advanced that
1: much, (laughs) you know, but 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 I'm still willing to be here. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm trying my best. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I learn one thing, you know, maybe a year. Yeah, but you're on the chopping block here. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> you're could here. I could, could be, get
0: cut fast. Yeah, there could be another in yeah. there. Yeah. Sometimes,
1: you know, Chris or Jesse just tell yeah. me to move. Yeah. I'm at my computer and yeah, they yeah. just go. Can you, I think, yeah, but be, that's I think maybe I should
0: maybe I should just do that's this. The advancements in, in technical ability, which is <laughs> which is nice. It makes things faster. Yeah. But um taste is irreplaceable. That's like that's what I'd say in a creator office. Like taste is is number one. So um work on developing your taste. That sounds like like such an interesting thing to do but you just have to have a really good palate like when you walk in
1: i'm so hungry right now i know now. but you this just you just
0: do like um and then i also think you need to um i would say communication skills are extremely important and i i hope that's not becoming like a lost art but the ability to write an email the ability to represent um you know the the brand of a creator externally is a really good one right like Do I feel comfortable if you're emailing on our company's behalf? You know, like that. That I'll tell you what. AI is writing the majority of the emails, of your emails. No, but like even just in Gmail, as you start, yeah, that's crazy. It basically finishes your email anyway. anyway, So yeah, but just even knowing how to communicate is really, really important. Like how how do you represent a brand? Mm -hmm. Um, The professionalism. Some of that might be becoming a little bit of a lost art because it's all happening so fast. Like a lot of creator teams are comprised of uh, 19, 20 year olds who it's their first job. So I do think like developing yourself, if you're willing to go do it, like go intern or work at like a established media company, that's been doing media for a really long time. Learn some of that, not to say that's the model. It's a new model now, but learn how they work. Cause there's some stuff that's just timeless in business. And, and in creativity and Mm -hmm. and, uh, the business of media, it's timeless stuff that you can then come and apply and then you bring a whole new vantage point, right? To a creator business. So I think that's, that's important. It's like developing, developing your taste and then um, becoming a professional. Yep. All right. This comes from you slash the quality, the qual the Mm -hmm. qual. Yeah. Sound it out. The, oh, oh, wow. Okay. Double E got me here. This comes from you slash the equally unique on the subreddit. Promoted videos, yes or no. Hi, I'm doing gaming content for a smaller sized audience. It happens that the game developer occasionally decides to promote a selected, video, selected videos in game, which does well in terms of views, but absolutely destroys the stats of average retention. People just click away. So I happened to get some nice ad revenue from this, but I started to ask myself whether or not it's hurting my organic growth too much. Does one bad video affect the next one heavily? What's your take? So promoted videos are a thing on YouTube. Like oftentimes when you see an ad before a YouTube video and it says skip ad, that is oftentimes a YouTube video Mm -hmm. that's being promoted. And this happens across Twitter. There are promoted tweets. It happens on Instagram.
1: It happens on TikTok. This is just the business. I think you can pay to find more viewership.
0: Yes. I think uh, what feels weird about YouTube videos is that the public view count and the public view count uh, is a mix of paid and organic views. The most telltale sign is if something has like 100 or 200,000 views, but it has like 50 or 100 likes and one comment, yeah. then it's likely that video was promoted to get those amount, that amount of views. I mean, we were looking at the YouTube channel
1: of a media company the other day, mm-hmm. all of their videos hit in the hundreds of thousands, yeah. but if you actually click and look on, at them, there's 12, 13 comments yeah. and you know, 80 likes. Like, yeah. That's not true engagement. Mm-hmm. Those are bought views.
0: Yeah. And they're, they have to, right? Like they have to get their stuff in, in front of that many people and there is a way to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not, and it's not bots. It's like it's YouTube, not robots. Yeah. YouTube has AdWords, which you yeah. go into AdWords and that allows you to purchase slots across the platform, impressions across the platforms. Mm-hmm. And you can do that through TrueView. You can do it through, um, you know, non-skippable ads, Primarily brands are doing this. Brands do that, because yeah, and created, media companies. Yeah, yeah,
1: brands and media companies. But we're most used to seeing it with brands who, like, they will put up a YouTube video on their YouTube channel, and then they'll run it before other YouTube videos play.
0: Yeah. As it, TrueView. Uh, Five Hour Energy did this one time with a documentary about their founder, and it was a skippable TrueView ad. Yeah. And it played before a YouTube video, and I just got engaged. It was good. Mm-hmm. So I just started watching, and I was like this is good. And then I finished the whole thing. That's and it the opportunity. That's the opportunity. Yeah. That is being sold. But you have to hook, you have to hook people if you're going to yeah. do that. Right. It has to be like actually good content. Mm-hmm. There's a Shopify ad with Mr. Beast in it where it starts and he immediately says, don't, don't skip the ad. And he points to the skip ad button. Yeah. And I think that like self-awareness of promoted videos is going to be the next wave. It's kind of surprising that it's not there yet, that brands aren't using creators. For these ads on YouTube. I and mean, We've said this before on the show,
1: but it's, we need to do yeah, this yeah, with yeah. the we're, published press. We're going to. We
0: have to. We're going to.
1: You know, imagine we're you click to. on one of our videos and it's us. Yeah. Talking about the published press. We
0: got to do it. We're going to do it. We got to do it. We're going to do it, Cole. Okay. But there's two types, right? There's the ad and then there's like the long form. Like we could take this video right now and promote it. Mm. It would be weird because you'd start watching a YouTube video and then you'd see the opening of creator support podcast and you might be like, what? Uh, and I think they all need to be like self-aware of the yep. the dynamic, but yeah, we could absolutely be promoting videos. I wouldn't advise it unless you have like a very compelling hook that can actually build audience because you might just give yourself, like you're just going to get in front of people, but you might not be building any sort of audience or fan base. Yeah. You know, if you're selling a product, great. Cause you want to get people to see the product that you're selling. Because we're talking about video ads.
1: Can I share a gripe? Sure. Are we in the deep end? I think we are in the deep end.
0: Here we are, in the deep end. Welcome, everyone. Old today. Yeah. All right, give me the grip. Okay, so
1: when you're watching an ad on YouTube or on Hulu or something like that, and it's a horizontal video, but they've framed it like a vertical video to make it look like a TikTok. Mm. And then they've got, like, but it's, like, really high production value. And then there's, like, text that comes on screen, Mm -hmm. like TikTok style.
0: Mm. What are we doing? Mm Mm-hmm. It's not a real TikTok. HelloFresh, mm. you know, they, you know. If we're going in on HelloFresh, which yeah. I don't know if this is smart or not because they could, who knows? They you can know sponsor what I'm saying? Though? I do know what you're saying, but there's, I have, there's an ad that they did with NPH Neil Patrick Harris. Okay, have you seen this you ad? Oh, I've seen this one. It bothers me. It bothers it the just hell out of me. Grinds my gears yeah. more than anything Woo! because that's not his kitchen. It's that doesn't matter. That's not what grinds my gear. <laughs> It, what what bothers me is that they're pretending he's vlogging mm. and he's not vlogging. Yeah. He's holding like a steady cam yeah. and walking around the kitchen. Yeah. It's full of and makeup. Then he, he's full yeah, of makeup. And then he lets go of it and it's like holding and it's like How am I supposed if, to trust that brand, that if, meal? If HelloFresh, if you wanted to feel like he was vlogging, have him vlog in his own kitchen. Forget the kitchen. No, just I can't get over hold, the kitchen. It's just like, have him hold a DSLR. That's not that
1: complicated. I mean, it's not even a real kitchen. You can't even make the food in it. That part doesn't matter, Colin. Stop it. I said I, I don't would even, wear wear even these know where to go from deer. here. I said yeah. I would wear so, these, so I'm putting but them on.
0: If you're gonna like. The manufactured authenticity makes no sense. Can you take me seriously in these glasses? Not really. Okay, because yeah. they're actually reading glasses, so
1: my eyes should be magnified and bigger. Yeah,
0: it looks ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, if you're going to ask someone to like vlog, it's not that hard to just have him hold a camera and do it for real, yeah. and it would be way more engaging. The pretend like, the production company being like, we got an idea, we're going to have a crew of 30 with a steady cam, but... Neil Patrick Harris is going to pretend like it's just him in the kitchen, it's like the just same, have him in the kitchen. It's the same thing with the TikToks. It's like
1: an Ari Alexa
0: yeah. camera. Yeah, That's it and then make any sense. They make it look like a TikTok. Yeah, get I here. don't
1: know what is going on in some of those ad agencies. But also, just stop I'm it. I'm going to confess that I said HelloFresh, but I'm not sure if it was exactly HelloFresh. Mm, well, it just was. It
0: led me to that's the brand yeah.
1: that came to mind. Who probably is guilty of?
0: Unfortunately, this. we will never work with HelloFresh
1: <laughs> now. Probably.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's too bad. Okay. Or is it too bad? I don't know. I don't know. Who knows anymore? Have you okay. been hanging speaking, out on Snapchat lately? I was going to say, speaking of like authentic and native to a platform, yeah, Snap stories are completely insane. And Snap has tried many different ways to capture the attention of creators over the past couple of years, right? Remember Spotlight? Cam Casey made $2 million in a yeah, month. It was like their version for, of TikTok. It is yeah, their version. Yeah, of- it is. They've now shifted everything to stories. And you have creators like the entire Dobrik vlog squad is posting stories on Snap. And Dobrik, his primary platform now is Snap. And there's been like different accounts of how much money he's making and how much money some of these creators are making. But a lot of the articles are talking about 10, 20, up to $60,000 a day that creators are making from posting stories. And they're posting anywhere from 200 to 300 stories in a day. And... I went and checked out what Dobrik's doing on the platform. Um, and it's very much. What Snapchat w- was when it launched. Or what, yeah. Right. I guess Those what were Snap, like, Snap stories Snap came were. out yeah. with stories. Remember DJ Khaled at that time? Yeah, he was, was on like, a jet
1: ski yeah. and he got lost in the ocean <laughs> yeah. and he was sharing it all on Snap yeah. stories. Yeah,
0: It's like the most raw form. It's almost like Snap was like, we got an idea. What if we just reduce this all back to what it used to be? Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's working. At least they're really good at like portraying something that's like, Hey, this is working. I think they just paid creators. Yeah. Paying creators to do it. And so other people are following suit. The rates are astronomical. Um, but a lot of creators are doing it now. I was, I was poking around there and it's like the entire vlog squad, a lot of like the old school Viners are on there. People who are, are, are doing interesting things where like Bryce Hall. And I think even David Dobrik is like starting to build other characters similar to what he did with his vlog. Mm-hmm. It's just like a modernization of the Dobrik vlog where he's introducing new characters and he's actually allowing them to take the phone and go mm-hmm. on side quests or little journeys because I mean, posting 200 frames a day is really intensive. It's an interesting style of content that we're seeing right now. Because like the, the Instagram story is no longer that. It's like much more calculated than I'm that. I'm going to be honest. I haven't opened Snapchat since 2016. 2016? Or 2017. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah.
0: Not for me. So I guess we won't be working I mean, with Snap. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll open it back up. I'm like curious now this that is there's the like a lot where of show <laughs> where we just send signals to brands to not work with us. HelloFresh and Snap are out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sorry to both of you. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. I think it's really interesting. I, I think it's like, as I'm watching Dobrik stuff, it's like a fully, it's a sliced down version of his vlog, like frame by frame. You know, and it's, it's fascinating that there's an audience for it. It's something that, that we've been talking about that, um, you don't always have to do something completely brand new. You just have to show it to a new audience. So showing like Dobrik's world, his style of comedy, his friend group to a completely new audience seems to be working. And I even looked yeah. at like, you know, Bryce Hall, who I really don't consume any of his content. And I looked over and I was like, is he doing YouTube anymore? Cause he was trying to do YouTube. Not really it's all snap must be way easier. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's way Definitely. easier to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so the question like, is, you know, will How long will it work? How long yeah. will it work and how long will be, people continue to be paid like they're being paid right now? Yeah. Because this is a, a, I think a marketing effort to pay top creators mm-hmm. so that other creators will come over. And then yeah. you at some point maybe you hope that You bring audience, there's more advertising dollars, and you can sustain those rates. Right. But we don't know that. We don't know. Because Snap Spotlight is not paying Cam Casey $2 million.
0: Not anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that was a one. It's a a good, like, flashy, like, hey, come over here, come to Snap. Um, Okay, this was a really interesting question we got, and I wanted to get to it. Um, It's from a YouTube channel called Loser's Life. It says, 16-year-old YouTuber here wondering if it's too early. And this was on our episode about if it's too late to become a YouTuber. So the inverse question, is it too early? Are you too young to become a YouTuber?
1: I don't think it's ever too early to try, Yeah, right? There are multiple people who work for us who uploaded to YouTube Mm -hmm. when they were 16 or 15, right? And maybe they didn't stick with it all the way up to this moment, but they had interesting experiences, learned different creative skills.
0: I think uh, I would say that I feel very grateful that when I was young, I was able to create, uh, where the audience was just myself, right. Or my, myself and my brother and my friends. Like we made a lot of videos on VHS that we would just sit and watch back ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then we, when we got to windows movie maker and like the, the single desktop computer in my house, my brother and I would sit there and edit and we would work late into the night on edits and then just watch it ourselves and be amazed that we made it. And I do think that there's something to be shaped um, not by, you know, the internet and audiences and and people beyond, but just to be shaped by your own mind and your own creativity when you're young. Yeah, and small small audiences of
1: people that are close to you are really forgiving. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Like your friends and your family are really forgiving. They're not judging you based on how you're able to film and edit. Yeah. When I first started making videos about my college lacrosse team, we just shared them with the team.
0: Yeah. That was it. I, I think you want to preserve the wonderment of bringing an idea to life when you're young, um, as much as you can until you release it to the world. Mm. Because I really think that the public view count is just, it just says too much about your creativity. Even if you post a YouTube video at 16 years old and it gets three views, that's going to say something. And if it gets a million views, that's going to say something. True. And any of those viewership numbers in the middle or comments in the middle are going to say too much about your creativity. And so I your think,
1: stance is that it's it's too early?
0: I, I think so, but I, d- I don't think there's any way to stop that. I just think that I would urge, you know, if this was someone I was mentoring, I would urge them to just make as much stuff as possible, as many Snapchat and, stories sure. as humanly <laughs> just possible. Just start posting to Snap. Yeah, because you'll get ten to fifteen thousand <laughs> dollars a day for the HelloFresh fresh calls. Great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, yeah, I don't know. I or or I would say like have have two creative spaces. One that's like just you know for you and your friends, uh, or like in a class or something. Yeah. Um. Like, how different when we both took improv last year? How different would it be if you know? You were about to perform in like a very public space. You know, of, of course, there was a showcase at the end of that class, but it felt so like private yeah, to do that. It was extremely and you, safe. Yeah. And you got to just like come up with like your, you got to try a lot of things you without. You got to be so weird. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that like you want, you want to explore the bounds of your creativity without too much judgment first. Mm-hmm. So that would be my recommendation. But I don't, I think like there's a lot of people in that age range who are creating and uploading. And there's also a thing to like, if that's really what you want to do. Start uploading, start learning about the platform. All right. So, if you're still listening right now, you are at the
1: bottom of the pool. Yeah. You're not even treading water in the deep end anymore. Sure. Yeah.
0: You're at the bottom. So, let me bring up a gripe then um, that I have. Oh, my goodness. Which is changing the bed sheets, you know, the elastic one that goes on first. Sure. When you have to do that alone, (laughs) it is one of the worst experiences. You have to do that this weekend. Uh, When you're like, you stick one of the corners and you're like, all right, it's going to stay. It's definitely going to stay. And you like pull it across. And you try and get the other one, and then that one snaps off, and you're like... "Yeah." The only way it works is if you're a seven-foot NBA player. That's <laughs> that the can, only way you can put that, that can that go sheet. diagonal yep. across. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a very bothersome thing. That's a gripe. If someone could solve that, you know, if a That's company a, could solve that, that'd be great. Grade A gripe. Mm-hmm. Okay, last thing I wanted to bring up was um, last week we talked about um, creators on the rise. Like, a lot of people are suggesting that we sit down with a creator um, in the maybe like sub-50K range or even below that... And there were so many creators, so many great creators that you guys brought up to us. Um, and I love hearing about some of these ideas, but something that was so um cool. There's a lot of people asking us to interview some of the the YouTube New Wave group, you know, wholesome Simon, Max, how do you say his name? Reece, Reisinger? Reisinger, Ryan, Ng, um, who we've actually sat down with a couple of times. Um, Dodford, who's I I don't even it's tough for me to like think I was someone said like Doddford is a small creator. He has 80,000 subscribers. Yeah, but gets one
1: million he, views. He gets video. a million yeah. views a video right yeah. now
0: on, on his new series. It's yeah. like tough to, to fully understand him as a small creator, but I really appreciate, um, some of the creators that you guys have sent us. And I would say that I want to keep that culture going of just continuing to submit, um, creators that we can discover and, and watch and, and that other people can discover, whether that's through, um, the subreddit through, um, our Twitter or even in the comments of this video. So please Share the creators that you're watching with us. We'd love to check them out. And if you have questions that you want us to answer on next week's episode of Creator Sport, you can put them here on this YouTube video. You can also tweet them at us, put them in the subreddit. Colin, any parting words? That's all. All right, we'll see you next week.